Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 15 of the podcast. After a week four loss to the Eagles, the Niners find themselves at 2-2 two and two and still in last place in the NFC West. All I can say is we have a ton to talk about today, including that week four loss to the Eagles, the failures of John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, and we'll look ahead to this Sunday, week five, versus the Miami Dolphins. Joining us today, he's a contributor to Niners Hub, and he loves himself a good white claw. It's Evan Swords. Evan, week four, the Niners lost 25-20 to the Philadelphia Eagles, and honestly, I can't describe myself other than I'm angry, disappointed, and that even thinking about last week's game makes me want to run through a brick wall. Uh, But I will say this, despite the loss and despite how demoralizing it is to be the reigning NFC champions in 2-2 in 2020, I am a little grateful. Because when we start with the quarterback, the Niners are coming off of two wins in New York, uh, Nick Mullins is riding high, uh, people are even saying he should be the starter over Jimmy Garoppolo, and before I throw it to you, here's all I'll say about this quarterback controversy, is that it was asinine two weeks ago, it looks even more ridiculous after Sunday's loss, and... To me, it looked like everybody had just forgotten, or a a large portion of Niner fans had just forgotten everything Jimmy Garoppolo did last year because Mullins beat and outdueled Daniel Jones and an awful Giants team with Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator, like that's some kind of accomplishment. And when I look at Sunday, Mullins wasn't just bad. He was literally the worst quarterback of any quarterback to play this season, according to PFF, with a 26.9 overall grade. And it gets worse from there because Kyle Shanahan benched him. He raged benched Nick Mullins for C.J. Beathard, a guy who likely wouldn't make 20 other teams, let alone be active for the rest of the NFL. And I don't know about you, but from the first two throws where he missed Kendrick Bourne over the middle, then use check wide out left, uh, I looked at my coworker and said, he looks like Kirk Cousins in the divisional round of the playoffs, completely rattled and not cut out for this moment. So what did you see from Mullins on Sunday? Uh, and and what has your impression changed of him after his lackluster performance? I, I, I don't think Nick Mullins as a quarterback, I don't think, I mean, he's a very good backup quarterback. I think he's got a very low ceiling as most backup quarterbacks do have. Um, so I, you know, I don't, think I was expecting ever much from him you know when you saw you know the game before and and kind of like his best games right like it was always him able to make the the throws that Kyle gave to him and you know being efficient and smart not not turning the ball over Um, so I think this game was an outlier in general but you know I gotta from my perspective it all goes to the coach at this point, it's all Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is obviously the architect of this entire team. He is the architect of this offense. He is the architect of uh, really the entire process and how they how they go day to day. When you have a team, um, you know that has been so injured throughout the year, I do believe that he, you know, he's probably got to get creative. Um, but you know, it's just I think it was really worst case scenario. I think everything that could go wrong against the Eagles did go wrong, right? You know, the Eagles should have been a layup. But when you look at how they approached this, um, you know, as far as rushing, Jarek McKinnon had 14 carries. Jarek McKinnon is not 
a three down back. He never has been. He never will be. You know, he had seven receptions for 43 yards. Uh, so obviously they were trying to use him out of the out of the backfield. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you know, you look at like George Kittle had 15 receptions, 15 targets. They got what they needed out of George Kittle, but, you know, only one touchdown. Obviously, there wasn't a lot of trips to the red zone there. Um, you know, Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson is definitely, uh, you know, a third, fourth string running back, but he's been very productive at times. He only got three carries. So when I look at the beginning of the game and Nick Mullins is off and he's already kind of like not the same, you have to look to Kyle to really adjust the way you want him to adjust. And for him to continue to run the ball with Jarek McKinnon, who averaged 3.9 yards per carry uh, when it wasn't working, for him to not try and throw, you know, those kind of intermediate, simple West Coast offense style passes to, you know, Kendrick Bourne, Brandon Ayuk, uh, you know, Debo, obviously, like, like, that was what I didn't understand. And that was kind of my big issue throughout the game. You know, it's nice to see that Kittle got his, and obviously Kittle is the main focus. Um, but you, the feeling for me was throughout the whole game, what we're doing isn't working. And Kittle was getting his receptions throughout that entire process. But it never felt like Kittle was able to really change the course of the game like he's sometimes able to do, right? Um, that's kind of the way I look at it. That's how I process it. It was a weird game. Obviously, they had Debo on a snap count limitation. It's hard to really, uh, you know, exist through your offense if your number one wide receiver isn't doing what he's supposed to do. But I just I, – I think it was just uh, – you know, an embarrassment of, of bad things happening. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. CJ obviously came in and played really well at the last second, but it was too too late. You know, 14 of 19. He was able to move the ball a little bit. Um, Nick Mullins throwing that second interception, though, was just – it was a dagger. It was probably one of the worst inter interceptions in the NFL uh, the whole year. And it, it just, you know – it was it was it was a perfect ending to a, a terrible game. Let's focus on that interception for a second, and even Nick Mullins' early struggles. Because when I saw the interception to Alex Singleton, which I don't know what Mullins was looking at, but it was reminiscent of Garoppolo's interception uh, to Jordan Hicks in the red zone or close to the red zone against the Cardinals uh, in November of last year, where you just said, "I don't know what you saw or what Jimmy G saw, but it wasn't <laughs> the correct play." Uh, but sticking with Mullins, Kyle Shanahan, at least from uh, from my perspective and many others as well, he tends to have uh, this tendency to, if a quarterback struggles early, he doesn't tend to trust them anymore late in the game uh, or throughout the rest of the game. We saw with Jimmy G uh, in that Vikings game where after you threw a pick, Shanahan said, you know what, screw it, we're running the ball the entire time. And again, I have no idea what's going through Kyle Shanahan's head, and I have no idea you know, what the progression is and how he feels about Mullins and Garoppolo and even Beathard to a certain point. But I don't know. It, it just feels like Mullins' early struggles gave Shanahan an indication as to how the game was going to turn out. And so at that point, he said, I have to rely on guys like McKinnon or uh, even, you know, Beathard when he came in later because he didn't trust Mullins anymore. Like there was a point in the game where Shanahan was so upset enough and realized Mullins wasn't going to get it done that he had to go to the third, uh, the the third string quarterback who hadn't been active for almost two, for almost a year and a half. And so I want to 
I want to ask you, uh, did you see that kind of same tendency of Shanahan to say, look, after Mullins didn't play well in the first quarter and even the first few drives, that I don't think I trust him to win this game right now, and so I have to rely on guys like McKinnon and just force-feed Kittle because he's the only person I trust out there to get anything done. Yeah, you know, I'm probably one of the few people that thinks like this, and I know I'm definitely one of the the very few people that's willing to say it out loud. Um, I'm very cognizant that Kyle Shanahan is one of the most genius offensive play callers in the history of football. I'm very cognizant that he probably is considered a top five, maybe, you know, top seven coach in the NFL right now. I'm very cognizant that he is at most of the times a huge proponent of why the team wins football games. That said, if you were to ask me what the 49ers biggest, you know, problem or biggest, who's the, who's their worst enemy or, you know, who's, who's their biggest, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, but like Kyle, Kyle Shanahan is his own worst enemy. It seems like there's so many things. I remember last year throughout the, the season, I started saying at the beginning of the year and everyone thought I was crazy. I was the only one saying this. But I'm like, he's not letting Jimmy throw the ball. And if he's not letting Jimmy throw the ball, he's not going to get comfortable. And they're like, well, he can run. They're, they're running the ball. It's working. And it's like, yeah, I understand that. But you need your quarterback to be comfortable throwing the ball. He's coming off in a, in, you know, uh, an ACL surgery. He needs to get comfortable. He needs to get his confidence. But it seems like most of the time, Kyle just was you know, too smart for his own good. And he just was like, well, I'm going to run the ball. I need to run the ball. And I, I talked about it throughout the year. And I remember I was at the game that Emmanuel Sanders, you know, was his first game as a 49er. And that was really the first time that Kyle started feeling comfortable throwing the ball. You know, he, I think he had like 117 yards, uh, a very large amount of receptions. He had a really good game. Kevin Coleman had four touchdowns. Kind of hard to, to overshadow that a little bit. But you fast forward all the way to the Super Bowl. And not much had changed. He never let Jimmy really get comfortable. He never let Jimmy really be a thrower. You know, get reps with his receivers. You know, Dante Pettis doesn't see the ball. Kendrick Bourne was getting the ball sometimes, but he's not the primary guy. Devo, you know, he's, he's always, it seems like, it seems to me like Kyle always has a rookie, but he never wants to like put the brunt of the work on the rookie's shoulders. So Devo, you know, would get a handful of, uh, you know, receptions and targets and snaps, but it was never enough. So you get to the end of the year, Jimmy Garoppolo needs to make a game-winning touchdown throw in the biggest game of his life, and he's barely thrown the ball all year. And surprise, surprise, he overthrows it. So now you look to this season. Granted, George Kittle got injured. Brandon Ayuk got injured, was out the first couple games. Debo was injured. I understand that, but like the same thing is happening now again, and Kyle's not comfortable throwing the ball. So you have to ask yourself, while you're two and two, and your running game isn't able to accomplish what it was able to accomplish before, what do you what what type of team are you going to be? What's your what's your mantra? What's your style going to be? Because you got away with running the ball last year. Well, you can't do that anymore, and so you tried to just force feed the ball to Kittle. It didn't work. So I think we're kind of at a point right now where Kyle's coached himself into a corner 
and it's not working. So I don't know what happens next, but you know, I mean, the Eagles game was about as bad of a game as you can get for any fan. So I think a lot of questions need to be answered moving forward. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is something that I didn't notice until that that Seahawks game at Levi Stadium and even further in the Ravens game where Shanahan wasn't aggressive before halftime uh, and even showed his true colors in the playoffs, whether it was against Kansas City and not being aggressive before halftime until Jeff Wilson Jr. had the big catch. And of course, the uh, the P.I. on Kittle got called back. Uh, But I 100% agree with you that Kyle Shanahan, although he's fantastic and he's one of the greatest coaches uh, in this passing era uh, of, of the NFL, but there, there, he does have, I don't want to say limitations, but he does have key weaknesses uh, that, that cost San Francisco multiple games. Uh, if not, here's what I'll say. There are times in games where Shanahan gets too cute and the offense goes dormant for a quarter. They don't do anything. And... That happened on Sunday against Philadelphia, and again, there is a multitude of reasons as to why that happened. Uh, One of them being the offensive line. The offensive line of the San Francisco 49ers was abysmal on Sunday. Mullins was pressured on 54.8% of his dropbacks, and the Niners led the NFL this week in allowing 40 pressures. That's awful. Trent Williams had his worst game as a Niner. Lincoln Tomlinson, I don't know what he's been doing. He hasn't looked horrible, but he definitely wasn't on his game on Sunday. Uh, and the right side of the offensive line is in utter shambles. Uh, Daniel Brunskill, looks, he doesn't look like the same guy we saw last year that filled in at tackle for McGlinchey. And the guy he filled in for, Mike McGlinchey, he looks utterly lost. He was a deer in the headlights almost every single snap that I've watched. I mean, I, I can't even count on my fingers how many times he's been beaten because it's happening all the time especially against guys who he has dominated in the past, or at least outmatched in previous games against them. And we've seen what happens when McGlinchey and the offensive line don't do their job. It makes the quarterback's job harder, uh, which is exactly what we saw on Sunday. And if Garoppolo does come back and he returned to practice today and will return this week, when he comes back, it's going to make his job harder because if the offensive line continues to be a liability, Shanahan's offense doesn't work. I think that's one thing that a lot of people pointed out, and I know Matt Mayoko had an article about, about McGlinchey saying that, well, you know, he's not great in the passing game, but he's been good in the run game. Well, when it comes down to it, Matt McGlinchey has been awful this season, and he is a key in their run game. And if the running game isn't working, the play acting doesn't work. And if the play acting doesn't work, Garoppolo doesn't work, because Shanahan hasn't shown the history of trusting Garoppolo enough in shotgun, and Garoppolo, at times hasn't proven to be a great shotgun passing quarterback. So to me, the key factor or the key to unlocking the success on offense like we saw last year, to me, is the offensive line. Do you feel the same way or, or, or am I just looking too much into this thing? This is, and once again, like I don't want this to turn into like a Kyle bashing session, but I mean, when you have problems and you're a Super Bowl, a team that's returning from the Super Bowl, like you have to have these conversations. I don't know if maybe going to the Super Bowl made them a little overconfident. Um, I'm a huge Brandon IU fan, especially, you know, now that we've gotten to see him. I think what he's going to be able to do in Shanahan's offense is amazing. But I knew the offensive line last year wasn't good. It, they were injury prone. These were young guys. Really, they, I mean, they were punching up by all means. Like, these guys were playing way above their threshold. And I think it was mostly because of Kyle's scheme. And obviously, Raheem Mostert playing well. That said... 
how you go into the offseason knowing that your offensive line is not full of true starters. Daniel Brunskill is a backup. Lakin Tomlinson has played starter-level guard. He's been a very good guard. But this is a guy that got cut from the Lions, that did not want him. You know, and you have to ask yourself, how much is Kyle's scheme masking some of these things? So to go into this situation and, you know, you, you draft a defensive lineman to replace Buckner, which obviously is working out very well. He's playing great. But then you draft a receiver, and then you really don't address the offensive line in the entire draft. And now look at it. We have, I mean, there was the, basically the worst offensive line showing all season from any NFL starting team was the 49ers versus the Eagles. And so where do we go from here now? You're not going to find a starting offensive lineman. Are you going to trade your capital? Are you going to use another draft pick like you did on D Ford, a second round pick that is now wasted? I mean, think about it. D Ford was a great signing at the time, but obviously there's a reason they let go of him. He can't play. I mean, he's injured right now. We don't know if he'll even come back or if he is. I mean, it's a neck injury. You know, it's just hindsight is 2020. It always has been. Right now, though, having hindsight, you're really able to pick apart a lot of the decisions the 49ers have made. And the reason why we have to do that is because they won 13 games last year and they've already lost two. Yeah, I think when you look at the Niners this year and, and even coming into this season, going from where they were last year, I'll admit, I said, we're one move away. Like, we should have won the Super Bowl. And I think the Niners, Shanahan, Lynch, and I even think a ton of fans said, yeah, like, that would be the right statement to make. If you can bring back 98% of the offense, which we did, and add some key playmakers like Ayuk on offense and, you know, McKinnon's healthy, that we should be fine. And, of course, nobody saw 2020 happening. Like, no one could see what happened this year this just baffling as to how crazy this year has been. Uh, but going into this season, I think while the expectations were reasonably high, knowing what happened last year and seeing the, the utter breakdown in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl, that I think San Francisco did come into this year a little cocky. And I understand why they did. Because rightfully so, they should have won that game. But it was their own fault they lost it. Um, yes, you can blame the refs and yes, there was some questionable holding calls and a lot of questionable calls, but although that's very infuriating, that happens to everybody that happened on Sunday against Philadelphia. There were some calls that happened in week one against the Cardinals. They, they happen all the time. Um, but going a little deeper here on the, on the offensive line, you know, the run game has been heavily affected, like you said, by poor offensive line play. Uh, and of course injuries to most certain Coleman don't help, but Coleman was playing horrible to start the year out. And so, I, w- I want to compare 2019 to 2020. And I think a big thing a lot of fans saw, at least with Mostert playing, was we saw his big reception on first down against the Cardinals. We saw his first down run against the Jets and how big that was to kind of starting things off. Uh, the Niners this year, uh, or last year, averaged 4.26 yards per carry on first down. This year, 3.3 that's over a full yard less. And I know that's not that big, but when you think about it, it being second and six and second and seven are a pretty big deal. And 
it, it can affect the way Kyle Shanahan decides to call plays. And if you remove Brandon Ayuk and Raheem Mostert from the equation, the Niners are only averaging uh, 3.3 yards per carry this year, which is uh, over 1.3 yards less than they were last year. Like, I think the offensive line, again, like I already said, is kind of the key to unlocking everything. But do you think there's something else that we're missing other than the offensive line playing poor and Mostert and Ayuk or Mostert being out and Coleman being out? Uh, that, that is attributing to the Niners' run game just not being as effective as it was. Having Mostert out is obviously going to hurt. He's a starting running back. That said, you know, seven teams, undrafted free agent, cut six times, seven times. Like, I, you know, I, I was obviously present watching what Mostert was able to accomplish last year. But we know, we know that we saw throughout the career progression last season with Tevin Coleman – he was getting worse every game, and it got really bad at the end to the point that he wasn't even playing. And this year, you know, you have Mostert, Jarek's coming back, and you know, honestly, like Jarek is playing so much better right now than I think anybody thought. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a big fan of what he's able to accomplish. I'm very happy for him. I was never a fan of signing Jarek McKinnon. You know, I, I've been pounding my chest since that signing, talking about how he couldn't even beat out Latavius Murray when <laughs> Dalvin Cook got injured. You know, so I'm happy to see Tevin or Jarek, you know, kind of thrive a little bit. But at the end of the day, you need a good compliment to Jarek. He cannot be your starting running back. He cannot be your every down back. He's never been that. He never will be that. But I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. It doesn't, I don't really know how to approach it when you think about the way Kyle is. Kyle doesn't want your, you know, Leonard Fournette uh, style running back, right? He doesn't want that ground and pound running back so he never goes for them but he is also constantly seems like he's like bargain bin shopping for his running backs because he thinks his scheme is so good but what do we do now when the scheme is not working or it's not enough or the you know same with the offensive line it's like he's been getting by on getting underachieving players to overachieve or you know like low talent player players to overachieve but it's not working this year so i think we're in new we're, new, we're in new territory what do we do when he can't make nobody running backs rush, you know, for 120 yards a game? Or he can't make, you know, backup running backs like Kevin Coleman score four touchdowns in a game. Like, we're in uncharted ter- territory. And I think that's kind of what defines a good coach. Can Kyle take a look at where we're at as a team and adjust and make smart decisions moving forward, recognizing the weaknesses that we currently have? So. I'm really curious. I think the offensive line and the running backs are very similar in nature by the way Kyle handles these things. Um, but I don't know how you look at this roster, especially with the loss of Nick Bosa, who was the team's best overall player. I think that's blatantly obvious. I don't know how you see them getting back to the Super Bowl this year. It's tough because when I heard uh, during the offseason that the Niners could be this next 2019 Rams team, I kind of scoffed at it. And I said, no way, like, you know, the, the, the Niners are built uh, from the trenches out. They have a ton of depth. Uh, while they don't have a ton of stars, they have a lot of guys that can contribute that are, you know, three, four, five guys deep, whether it's, you know, the defensive line, uh, the tight ends, the offensive line, like everything clicked last year. And I think, I don't want to say last year was an outlier, but when I look at some of these advanced statistics, you know, the adjusted line yards, which is a statistic that separates the ability of a running back from the, the ability of an offensive line. 
and it measures the average rushing yards per play of a running back. In 2018, the Rams were first in the NFL, uh, and they went, and obviously they lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. 2019, they were, through, week, through four weeks, they were 19th in the NFL. Go to San Francisco now, 2019, they were 8th in the NFL, and of course lost to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. This year, the Niners are 31st in the NFL through four weeks. They are according to the adjusted lines or adjusted line yards, the second worst team in the NFL by yards gained just by running backs. Obviously, most certain Coleman are out and having, you know, you're pretty much your third string running back be the lead guy doesn't help. But I didn't realize how desperate and how awful the Niners running backs have been. And I don't want to say misused, but to a certain point, they've been misused. And so even with, you know, the backup quarterback and whether it's Beathard or Mullins. And looking at the stats I just listed, is it wrong of me to conclude that the Niners really don't have a running game or don't have an offense, excuse me, without a successful running game? Like, does the offense run through, you know, Mostert, Coleman, McKinnon? Does it run through those guys? Or uh, are we expecting Grapple to come back in and fix every single problem? Well, and so that's kind of the issue that I have. We talked about. Kyle's seemingly like lack of confidence in Jimmy or, you know, is like what I've always said is he's always had handcuffs on him. We're looking at week five, right? And we're like, okay, we're getting a lot of people back, aren't we? Right. If the offensive line struggles and the running game doesn't work, how does Kyle handle Jimmy? He doesn't let him throw the ball right now as it is. You know, he's, he's more likely to let his, uh, star wide receivers that he's drafted back to back two years in a row. He's more likely to make them run, you know, end arounds than he is to, to throw, just throw the ball straight up. So I'm, I sound like I'm so negative here, but I, I won't, I will say this. I do see a way out of this. I do see a way in which this team can very much so get healthy. Like they're getting healthy right now and really just hit the ground running. I, I see a way in which that happens, but I just don't see that happening if he doesn't trust Jimmy to just go out and be that original 5-0, and you know, beating the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, however many years ago that was, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, he's got to let him do it. We've seen Jimmy do it. We know he can have his quick release, accurate, you know, big balls, Jimmy, throwing tight window, you know, passes. Like, he can do that. He's got the best overall receiving core that I think he's ever had since being in San Francisco. It's not saying much, but it's still saying something. So I definitely see a direction in which this team can thrive, but I think Kyle's got to get out of his own head. He's got to let Jimmy go. And like, honestly, what do you have to lose in a, in an NFC and an NFC West that's as tough as this is. And you're two games down. The Seahawks are four and oh, Seahawks don't look like they're going to be losing anytime soon. What do you have to lose? You need to figure out what you have in Jimmy right now. And I say the same thing about Dante Pettis. The fact that they're not force feeding the ball to him like they did Debo last year. Debo led the team in drops and they kept forcing him the ball. And what, what happened? It worked out. Debo got better. The same thing that's happening with Pettis is the same thing that's happening with, with Jimmy. Like you're just, you're never going to know if you keep handcuffs on them. And if you're not going to find out, why are they wasting a roster spot? I think that's 
one of the best points I've heard someone ever make on the 14 episodes of this podcast so far. And I think that's one of the biggest points I would agree with. Although I'm not a big Dante Pettis fan, uh, I, I did see what he did in 2018. And he, he looked pretty darn good. Uh, and for whatever reason, I know he was in Shanahan's doghouse last year. And I don't want to stick on Pettis for a, a, a long time here, but I don't know what happened. Uh, and, and they talked ravingly about how well he came into camp and how he was more physical. And then after week one comes and he doesn't do much, which wasn't entirely his fault. Garoppolo missed him a ton of times, didn't even look his way a lot of the time when he was wide open. Uh, but again, it's tough because it's almost like those two things are kind of, uh, they go along the same line. If if Shanahan's not willing to release the, the reins of Jimmy Garoppolo and let him be 2017 5-0 Jimmy Garoppolo like we've seen, well then Dante Pettis isn't going to get the ball, which is the unfortunate part because... If Garoppolo's reins are tightened and Shanahan, and I have no idea what Shanahan and Garoppolo's race, relationship is, other than Shanahan saying the team is Garoppolo's going in the future, or at least as of last week he said that, uh, there are a lot of fans who out there don't believe in Jimmy G. And I wonder if that is to the fault of Kyle Shanahan. Of The fans don't love Jimmy G, or some of them don't. I love him. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's top eight on a good day, maybe 14th on a bad day. I think he's that good. I think he can get better than that. Uh, not top one or top five, but I think he can be top six at least. Um, but it's almost as if Kyle Shanahan's apprehension to let Jimmy Garoppolo go and say, you know what, you're the quarterback, lead the offense, is almost the reason why some fans don't believe in him. And it's frustrating. But I also think that, you know, and I want to get more into to this here, is that and, and I spoke about it plenty of times, Kyle Shanahan doesn't know how to admit he's ever wrong. Ever. He never knows how to admit it. Whether it's whether it's losing in Atlanta uh, and blowing that Super Bowl game, which wasn't entirely his fault. The defense was awful for Atlanta in that fourth quarter, but the offense couldn't score either. Um, whether it was losing in February or trading up to draft C.J. Beathard, trading up to draft Reuben Foster, uh, drafting Dante Pettis, which again could be Shanahan's scheme not fitting with Pettis' play style. Exactly, Joe Williams, you can go on and on and on and on here. And I went back, and I looked at 2017-2018, and I think this kind of feeds into the Mike McGlinchey as well, that I think his play and Kyle Shanahan's unwillingness to admit he's wrong is evidence of a bigger problem that is in the Niners franchise and in the organization right now. Uh, and I want to preface it by saying that 2020, with the pandemic, uh, uh, no preseason, all the injuries, and even air quality issues before week one, no one saw any of this coming. But I think the Niners' failures to draft in the first three rounds of the draft are coming back to haunt them. And that 20, that 2017 draft, you can look at it, and the only person you look and go, wow, that was great, and that's George Kittle. That's the only person. Other than that, Solomon Thomas has been a bust. He's probably done in San Francisco. Ruben Foster is a bust. He's in Washington doing whatever he wants to, I guess. He's not even playing. I'm pretty sure he's hurt again. Witherspoon's been average, and Beathard has been a bust. Beathard can, never suits up other than against Philadelphia because Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt. And even then, Beathard really wasn't doing anything anyways before that. 2018, McGlinchey has been he's pretty good last year, but he wasn't great in, in pass blocking. And Dante Pettis, whether that's Shanahan's fault or not, has been a bust as regards of production. Uh, Fred Warner has been a star. He's, he's, been, he's the best linebacker in the NFL, or at least the best one in the NFC. And Tarverius Moore has been average. He changed positions. I'm not too worried about him. Uh, he, he has good hands, but he's, can't, he's not a starter. 
But 2019 has kind of been San Francisco's saving grace. Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, Dre Greenlaw. Like, without those guys, the Niners are probably a 7-win team, maybe 6-win team, maybe. And I'm not trying to be too harsh here. Like you said, you know, I don't want to be a negative Nancy. But but the Niners, uh, I don't want to say lack of intelligence because they're very smart. But their lack of ability to draft in the first three rounds of 2017 and 2018 they are the root of the problem, at least in my opinion, as to why this year has been a failure because you can't count on Solomon Thomas. You can't count on Witherspoon to, to play across from Sherman. You can't count on Bether to be a quarterback. You can't count on McGlinchey to be a good pass blocker, and let alone, let alone a run blocker this year. You can't count on Pettis. You can't even count on Moore to be a starting safety. Like, th- there are things there that I look back and I go, you know, is this the, the major issue here? And I look at who they missed, and of course we can always play Monday morning quarterback and say, well, Instead of Beathard, you could have had Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, even Carl Lawson, who would be huge in the absence of uh, Ford and Bosa right now. Uh, But for three straight years, the Niners were in a prime position to draft stars and failed for two of those. And in those first two attempts, they failed to add any meaningful talent. And now those misses, to me, are proving to be glaring holes when they need them most, with with major pieces in the 2019 draft and free agency going down. And so I want to ask you, when you look at this year and you see the struggles San Francisco is having, uh, is it something as simple as just, oh, well, half the team's hurt and many of them for multiple weeks, if not the season? Or do you dig a little deeper and say that the Niners have had past draft failures that are causing part of the 2020 uh, non-success for them this season? I think especially the 49ers are a very unique situation, right? There are so many injuries. It would be completely irresponsible and downright stupid to ignore them and say that they don't have something to do with this. True. They are out of their starting uh, two defensive ends. That's huge. One of the most important positions in football. Um, but that said, you know, I just, I think we're at a crossroad right now where how the season continues right now is going to dramatically understand how the 49ers will go as a team with under Kyle Shanahan. I feel like a lot of the time Kyle Shanahan was lucky because, you know, he had a really terrible roster when he first started. So there was no expectations. And then, you know, they caught fire last year and they made it to the Super Bowl, So everyone was super happy, but there's a lot of problems that still need to be addressed that haven't been addressed. And I think when you look at the overall, like, I mean, not to keep coming back to Dante Pettis, but like, I think it's a, it's a, the story of Dante Pettis is a very good example of the issues the team has, right? Like you draft him in the second round. You seemingly don't like him and you stop giving him opportunities. You have, he, you know, he has 24 targets last year, 109 yards basically didn't exist. And then you spend the entire off season like, Oh, he's changed. He's changed. He's changed. Your two receivers are injured, Debo, Brandon. Allegedly, you guys had a good conversation. You figured it out. He's got one target in four games, and he's still using a roster spot. And he's not returning punts, which he was the best returner in college. So it's like, I think that's a bigger overall feeling of how Kyle is like addressing these teams. It's like the problems that are pretty obvious and like staring at us in the face. He tries to pretend that they're not problems. We didn't have a good offensive line last year. They just played above their means. We got lucky. His scheme made them play better. 
and he did nothing to address the offensive line in the offseason, right? He knew that he had issues with Dante Pettis, but he's still on the roster, and he's not even getting the ball. So what's the, what's the point of the roster spot, right? He knew that Raheem Mostert was overachieving. He did the same thing that he always does and grabbed a, bunch of running, a couple running backs in the back end that aren't even touching the ball right now. Right, you're giving Jarek McKinnon 14 carries, and the guy hadn't played in two years. So I think there's a lot of stubbornness, but you know the stubbornness is easy to accept when they're winning. Yeah, right. The the stubbornness is very easy to accept when they're throttling the Vikings. Yeah, they're not passing the ball, but they just destroyed them running the ball in the playoffs. So it's it's all about context. But I think in the which the world that we're in right now. As soon as they stop winning, those become very glaring problems. And it's just now you have to address them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I think week five is a chance for San Francisco to address some of the issues. I don't know if that's getting Dante Pettis going or just getting healthy. I think getting healthy can mask a lot of the issues, but one of the issues is the Niners are 2-2, two and two, and they're 0-2 at home at Levi Stadium this year, and when you look at the Dolphins team, uh, the Dolphins are kind of an interesting team because we all know they're in the middle of a rebuild, We're likely year two of a rebuild, uh, they don't have a quarterback controversy, but they do have Tua, who uh, is behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. But they, with Fitzpatrick, they have the 23rd-ranked offense, uh, the 20th-ranked passing attack, and the 21st-ranked uh, run game. So it's pretty evident that they aren't one of the best teams in the NFL. That this game, again, like the both New York games and even the Philadelphia game, well, it should have been an easy win or it should have been a game they should have won. This Sunday is the exact same thing. A team that's coming in, uh, that's not that great. That is near the bottom of the league in multiple categories. But I don't know. May- maybe it's Brian Flores and the way he coaches that team, or maybe it's Fitzpatrick. Uh, but whenever I think of the Miami Dolphins, I get a little uneasy. And I have no idea why, but just in the back of my head, I think that on any given day, they can beat someone good. That any given day, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be Fitzmagic, and he's going to go off on someone, and they might still be, you know, th- th- Three and thirteen, or four and twelve, but those four wins will be against really good teams or games they had no business being in. And so, you know, should Niners fans have that thought in the back of their head? As you know, we just lost to the Eagles on Sunday in a game we should have won. We don't know who our quarterback is, and this game is against the Dolphins team that, while not may not have the stats to prove they're good, have the ability to come in uh, and play a Seattle team tough for three and a half quarters and almost come back against them before Seattle put the game away. Or, or or am I just crazy to think that we could lose on Sunday and we could be two and three? I think the 49ers are uh, at a very prime position this week to really decide the rest of the season. I mean, really. The, the Dolphins are not a good team. You know, they, they have been punching up. They have been getting, you know, decent play out of what should have been a really bad team after Adam Gase basically destroyed them. Um they are a rebuilding team. 
if the 49ers can't win, we're looking at well, you know, we're, we're looking at the draft already. I know it's dramatic, and you know, obviously, we're waiting on a lot of players to come back. But like, you have to win these games. The New York games were a layup. Those ga- those are bad teams. Like, if you were to lost that game, I'd be really worried right now. But they shouldn't have beat, lost to the Eagles either. But Carson Wentz is still, you know, it has very exciting play in him at any given moment. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not that dude. And, you know, usually you get a couple of games of Fitz magic, which we've already gotten. But, like, I think at this point, like, if you're, if you're, if you lose to Ryan Fitzpatrick, shut the season down. But the one thing <laughs> that I'm kind of curious about is, and I've talked about this a little bit on Twitter, knowing how good teams are when they play their running quarterback and their mobile, their athletic quarterback, do they start to a? Ooh, yeah, I mean, think how he, how do you know what I'm saying? Like seeing how they have existed against like Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. Do you start Tua? We heard uh, Nick Bosa, and you know, unfortunately, he's out for the season. We heard him say before the Cardinals game, you know, in in the the worst Nick voice, uh, the, the worst Nick Bosa impersonation ever. Yeah, we have a better game plan against Murray, and that didn't work. There was no way they were going to stop Kyler Murray on the ground against him week one. No way, and they were fully healthy besides Debo Samuel. I don't know. It, it just seems like that that is going to be the, the kind of rivalry this team has. It's not against a certain team or, or a certain player. It's against a certain type of player. As to when you play Russell Wilson, and if I'm being honest right now, I thought San Francisco would split with Seattle. I do not think that anymore. If Garoppolo is not healthy, if Kyle Shanahan doesn't, you know give Garoppolo the reins here, and Mostert's not back, the Niners will lose both those games to Seattle. They will lose against Arizona again. That just is what it is. Those those offenses are too good, and the Niners' defense, despite how good it has been, has dealt with a ton of injuries. They're not 100%, and they can't stop those guys. And I want to stick on the defensive side of the ball here because the Niners had a very thinned secondary against Philadelphia. And we saw Jimmy Ward, who is, whatever reason, dealing with a, a wrist injury. I'm not sure how serious that is, but they put him at nickel for a little bit, and he was awful. There's a reason why they moved him from corner to safety, because he couldn't play corner very well in the NFL. And Kaylon Williams, he's now on IR, so Jamar Taylor is likely that guy. Uh, maybe Emmanuel Mosley plays nickel uh, if Witherspoon comes back. I know Shanahan kind of hinted at that, but... Are we to expect Dante Johnson, who apparently has a groin injury and battled it out with a groin injury against Philadelphia, is he going to remain the starting corner, or do you expect to see Mosley and Witherspoon back on the field? And how important is it that they're out there, uh, and and how important are they to the stability of the secondary with Sherman out? I mean, I don't think there is any stability with Sherman out, so I don't know if we can even say that. (laughs) Um, You know, Richard Sherman provides a lot of, exactly that stability he provides the you know like everyone knows that he is still an incredibly intelligent corner and he might not be as fast as he used to be but he's smart and you can't really you know you can't throw the ball however you want towards him so most of the time they stay away from that side of the field and if that's happening the safety can give you the help that you need on the other end so can the linebackers right when you have fred warner who's a monster he can run all over the field so I don't know what life looks like 
without Richard Sherman other than what it has looked like, which is struggling. Um, this defense is still playing well, but I think that's because the interior defensive line is providing a lot of pressure still. Uh, Kerry Hyder has been incredible. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of the secondary. I haven't been. Richard has obviously been the, one of the most important signings the 49ers have had uh, since Kyle started here. And I think Richard Sherman really – Richard Sherman and the defensive line have, have really kept quiet a lot of problems, a lot of problems that I think were, were you know, they just aren't there because they kind of erased them. Well, speaking of Sherman, Kyle Shanahan said that he's not too optimistic Sherman or, or, or Mosa return for Week 5 against the Dolphins. But one guy who we've already talked about, he will likely or at least be practicing this week, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo. And we thought he could play last week. I heard the ankle injury was a little more serious than initially thought. Didn't want to risk it, which makes a ton of sense. Um, but I'm not sure if you heard how Kittle talked about Jimmy Garoppolo's leadership on KNBR. I think it was yesterday. Uh, and adding, getting back Debo Samuel, do you think the return of Jimmy Garoppolo, if if he indeed does return this week, um, do you think he does indeed get this Niners team back on track? I hope so. I believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. I think probably more than the coach does. Um, I'm a big fan of Brandon Ayuk, and I'm obviously very smart to know that Debo Samuel is is good at football. You know, only I can be that intelligent to see those things. Um, I think with Kittle back. I think with Devo back, I think with Brandon on the team, you know, like, you know, those three guys are so exciting. But it, I don't, once again, like we've already said, I don't think it comes down to any of them. I think it comes down to Kyle. And I don't know how Jimmy Garoppolo can really change the the way the team exists if Kyle's not letting him. So if Kyle lets him and Kyle opens up the passing game and really tries to get his receivers involved other than just throwing end arounds, I think so. But I think if Kyle goes into the next game with the same kind of game plan he had last week, just hoping it works, I'm going to be worried. We'll see though. Only a couple more questions here. Uh, We already talked about one of the issues I saw that with the Niners don't have a quarterback at Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play that they don't have a guy that can mask any weaknesses they have in the other facets of the offense. Number two is, with no Mostert, the run game is very limited, and the Niners don't have much work, or they don't have much to work with when the O-line struggles. And if the run game isn't working, and the pass game isn't working, then again, the running game isn't going to work either. So like, none of it, it, it all is a kind of a cog in a machine where if one thing doesn't work, it's going to be very hard to make the other facet of the offense work. And that's how kind of Shanahan's system is built upon where the other thing complements the pass game, complements the run game and vice versa. So I want to ask you, um, what do you think the game plan is going to be on Sunday? Are, are they just going to do they did it against Philadelphia and kind of, I don't want to say mail it in, or, or, or should we expect if Garoppolo's back, Shanahan to kind of say, look, now we can kick this thing into gear. I, I hope so. I hope so. I'm really hoping... The team needs a motivated win. They need that. They need it bad. They need that excitement. They need that. They need a big win on Sunday. But I thought they needed that against the Eagles. I said before the game against the Eagles, like this can't be a close game. This needs to be a two-score, uh, you know, a two-score win. They have to. They have to just straight up destroy them because that's where they were at, right? Like this is a bad team, and you have to beat bad teams, especially right now. And I think. That was the same thing it was last week, and it's going to be the same thing again. The Dolphins aren't a good team. They have a couple good pieces. They have decent coaching, but they're not a good team. And you can't 
let good, you know, like decent but not great teams hang around like we did with the Eagles. You saw what happened. They have to beat the Dolphins decidedly Sunday. And, I mean, you know, if, if ever – there was a need for motivation. I'm sure. I'm sure Kyle's fired up right now. I, I mean, he just got his ass kicked against the Eagles. Like, if he's not motivated, we're in trouble. But the good news is, I think Kyle's probably very motivated. I think no one is a bigger fan than I am of when Kyle Shanahan court schemes angry. When Kyle Shanahan is pissed off, he lets it all out. And you saw what he did when Carson Wentz ran the ball in and scored the touchdown. Like that next series. Kyle went off, but then again, then he slowed down. So we'll see. I'm excited to see it. I have one final question for you, and that is, I'm assuming you'll you'll think the Niners are going to win, but I want to get an outcome for you, a score prediction, and what will be the headline following Sunday's game against the Dolphins? I don't know about a headline, because I think the Dolphins are so boring that no one's really going to care about them as a team. <laughs> uh, I think I think the Dolphins... I think the headline might end up being Tua starts and his first ever career start and impresses, although the team loses. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping if I'm being positive, Evan, cause I've been so damn negative this whole podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping we talk about the new electric trio of Debo, Brandon and George Kittle and what Jimmy Garoppolo is able to do with all three of them. I'm hoping 27, 10, Okay. Twenty-seven, seventeen. I'm hoping for that. If it's close, I might kill myself. So we'll see. We'll see if I'm able to come back on the podcast ever again because I might be dead. You may be drowning in the white claw, never to be seen again. Yep. Shout out to them. You can follow Evan on Twitter at Evan Swords, and be sure to check out his work at Niners Hub. He does a ton of great work. He's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, he's also a really funny guy. Uh, So thanks, Evan, for joining us today. Of course, man. I appreciate it. Go Niners. My final score prediction for Sunday against the Miami Dolphins is 26-20. to I think it's a lot tougher. I'm not sure if we see Fitzmagic, uh, but I do think the Niners will have a tough-fought win, especially if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play. But I do think San Francisco gets their first win at home, and they do get back above 500 this season. Uh, After this week, the next six games are going to be the most important of the season. uh, And the Niners need to win this week to start building momentum. Hopefully, Jimmy Garoppolo is back this week. If not, hopefully we we can get Garoppolo, Sherman, and Moser back in the next one to two weeks. Because we're going to need them to make another playoff run. Uh, Niner fans, I know it's been an upsetting and frustrating season so far. but, But it could be a lot worse. We could be the Jets. We could be the Giants. So keep your head up high. We're still 500. And hopefully when I talk to you guys next week, we are 3-2 and two and going in to play the Rams. Going to be fun. And you don't want to miss a thing. So follow us on social media. Instagram is at 49ers.access. And Twitter is at 49ers underscore access. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and please leave a review on this podcast. I want to know what I can do better, what you guys want to hear more. If you want to have somebody on the podcast that would be a great interview, let me know on Twitter, on Instagram, and leave a review. That way this podcast gets higher ranked in all the systems out there. Apple is very reliant on reviews. And guys, until next time, I'm very thankful for you guys. My name is Sterling Bennett, and stay faithful.